Greetings, fellow language lovers. This is the Language Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, John Fotheringham. In today's show, I chat with Keith Brooks, the man behind Pardon My Norwegian, a site dedicated to everything cool from Norway from the eyes of a Kentuckian. Prior to marrying the Norwegian language, Keith sampled a number of potential languages in a project called 37 Languages. His speed dating or taste testing approach to choosing just the right significant linguistic other got picked up by PRI's The World in 2009. And Keith was asked back again in 2010 to report on which language he finally chose to settle down with. In our interview, Keith shares his favorite tips and tools for learning Norwegian online. He confirms that contrary to what many expect, it is indeed possible to learn Norwegian even in Louisville, Kentucky. And he compares Norwegian with other Scandinavian tongues. All right, let's go chat with Keith. So thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. I first heard about you, gosh, it would have been maybe four or five years ago now when you, I think you just started your 37 languages blog. Yes. About then, 2008, I think it was, December. Yes. Um, yes. So maybe tell us a little bit about that experiment, as you called it, you know, what led to it, why you decided to, I think some people have called it speed date, different languages, mm -hmm. or I think you called it taste testing. Yes. Uh, so let us know a little bit more about that project. Okay. Uh, well, Norwegian was actually the inspiration behind the blog. Uh, I had read uh, somewhere online that uh, Norwegian was the easiest language for English speakers to learn. And I was uh, kind of intrigued by uh, that concept, and I wanted to see if it was true. So I did uh, just a little reading about Norwegian, uh, not as much as I've done now since studying it. But I looked it up, and then I was still curious. So I decided to uh, find a bunch of languages, and uh, including some that I had never uh, tried to learn before. And I selected them, and then I crafted the system of speed dating them, or as you mentioned, taste testing them, where I would look at them for a couple of days. I would learn about the history of the language, the orthography, uh, the region it was spoken in, and any other uh, little nuances about the language, and then move on to the next one. And uh, that lasted about, um, I would say, seven months. And then after that, I selected uh, six to look at more closely for a week. Uh, those six were Norwegian, of course, uh, but Swedish, Croatian, Albanian, Portuguese, and Turkish were the other five. Hmm. Yeah, so not, not the usual suspects, definitely, for most folks. Yes. Yeah, and that was another reason uh, why the languages were so diverse. Um, growing up, I had always had an interest in languages. I tried to learn Japanese in high school, and I was proficient in Spanish from a young age. Um, and I had tried to learn others, but I think by doing this project, it had reactivated that interest. And there were uh, other languages that I had seen or read about, but I had never tried to study or learn. So it was kind of an opportunity to uh, research those as well. You said you were into languages growing up. Was there any particular influence in your life that led to that? Yes, I think I can't really pinpoint an exact uh, experience that 
uh, caused me to be interested in languages. I think uh, growing up, I lived in a diverse neighborhood uh, where there were people that spoke Vietnamese and Spanish and um, uh, Hindi, Hindi. And uh, I, uh, I think maybe that might have imprinted an early interest, but I've always been attracted to just learning about other cultures and learning how people communicate in different ways. Uh, so that, I think that's something I've always had an affinity for. Yeah, I think I have a similar experience. I, I didn't even realize it, you know, when I got into languages in college, it just seemed mm -hmm. very natural, but that interest had always been there. And I, yeah, it's hard to pin down, I think, for most mm -hmm. of the folks I've talked to where that began. It wasn't yeah. a culminating event necessarily. It's usually something more organic in the background. Exactly. Very cool. So you dated these languages and then you shortlisted, you said six. And mm -hmm. then, well, we now know because we we're in the future. So we, we know you chose Norwegian as the winner. Um, what were the criteria that you used to choose the different languages? First for the short list and then finally for Norwegian. Okay, for uh, the languages that I selected initially, I used four factors, intelligibility, complexity, uh, resonance, uh, which is how, I guess, discordant or harmonious I felt with the language, uh, and also continuation, which was whether or not I was willing to uh, continue learning it in the future or if I just had no interest after speed dating it. Um, and then after I reached part two, I kind of used a similar um, set of uh, qualifiers. Uh, and again, I used intelligibility. Uh, I used uh, complexity. Mm -hmm. And then um, I also, I just focused on, uh, I guess, my own progress in the language that I selected from the top six. And um, I tried using it with native speakers if possible. Um, so I kind of looked at those factors and um, eventually I uh, came to a decision on a couple that really stood out to me. Turkish was actually one of those that I really, really was fascinated by. Um, it's such a unique language because it uh, isn't as common as, uh, of course, Spanish or Chinese. Um, it's not Indo-European, mm. it's Glenn's native language. It also has an interesting feature of vowel harmony. And I just thought it was really beautiful. So it was very, it's a very difficult decision. Um, but uh, with Norwegian, again, I think there was something about it that seemed really familiar to me. Um, it's a Northern Germanic language. So it's in the Germanic uh, family with English and um, has a lot of similar vocabulary. Uh, and, and, a, and a few false friends I saw on your resources yeah. page about a couple of, like barn is that yeah barn. children yeah. button <laughs> exactly. that's a very <laughs> unfortunate false friend yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you said it's to a high degree it's mutually intelligible with uh, Swedish and uh, Danish Danish yes. um, so now that you've gone this far into Norwegian, have you had any chances to speak with Swedes or or Danes or? Yeah, 
Yeah, since uh, I've become, I guess, I've reached a certain level of fluency in Norwegian, uh, I've been able to communicate with uh, Swedish people. Um, in Louisville, I started a community of uh, folks that were either from Scandinavia or had been learning Scandinavian languages, and I met some uh, Swedish and Danish people that through that way. And I also have a very close friend that uh, is from Stockholm, actually Luleå, but she lives in Stockholm now. And uh, I speak to her in Norwegian, and she speaks to me in Swedish, and it's an huh. issue. That's funny. Yeah. 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 So I guess that's a, another advantage of of choosing Norwegian is that it's not just one language; it's it's really a, yes. a foot in the door of many. So. Yeah. That's yeah, it's cool. like a Scandinavian continuum. So. Yeah. One of the factors I considered when I selected it, and then I would guess, just from what I know of, like Spanish and Italian and Portuguese, that if you see it written down, it's even that much easier to guess. If, yes. Yeah. So maybe yeah. if you hear something, you might not recognize it, but if you see it written, it looks very close to Norwegian. Yes. Or, or do they spell differently significantly? I, I have no idea. I'm just. No, no, no worries. Um, but with uh, Norwegian and Danish, they use the same alphabet. Um, and Norwegian is kind of derived from Danish. Um, the, Norway used to belong to Denmark, and okay. uh, they share similar histories, but Swedish uses a different alphabet, and a lot of the words are spelled differently, but they sound very similar. Um, and Swedish, in my opinion, is kind of easier to understand than Danish, because Danish has a very guttural mm. uh, quality. Um, there's this thing called the stid, where um, it kind of changes the, uh, I guess, tone of words. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really, I think if I were to, um, I guess, explain it to someone that has never learned any Scandinavian language, um, Danish sounds like uh, Swedish, but is written like Norwegian. <laughs> Swedish sounds uh, like Norwegian, but is I guess kind of closer to to Danish, and then Norwegian is, in my opinion, the best one of them all. <laughs> yeah, but right. uh, so we just we just alienated two countries at once. That's okay. <laughs> Norway, Norway will protect us. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. We'll have that. That'll be a good quote for the the show notes there. I think. Uh, so, you mentioned Turkish as one of the runner ups for this. Um, I, again, I don't know anything about Turkish either from experience, but I remember in linguistics learning that it's Altaic, Altaic language. Is that yeah. correct? Which that's actually right. shares some interesting. Uh, grammatical patterns with Japanese. So I thought, you know, mm -hmm. at some point that might be fun as a next language to have a head start, uh, at least getting my head wrapped around the language to try Turkish. So that's that's good to know. Yeah. Is that something you think you're going to learn at some point down the road or? Yeah, I, uh, I considered learning uh, Turkish when I was studying Norwegian in the, I guess, earlier parts of um, when I selected the language and I did it for about a couple of months, but I decided to just continue focusing on Norwegian and uh, increasing uh, my level of uh, fluency. But I think after I'm done 
after I feel I've reached a point where I've just acclimated uh, the highest I can get with Norwegian, uh, I think I will either consider learning Turkish, but uh, I also found a lot of uh, interest in learning uh, Estonian, actually. Mm. And that's uh, in the actually, it's in the same, I think it's Finno uh, Ukrik, but it's sort of distantly related to Turkish, I think. Mm. So, yeah, it's another uncommon language, of course, but. <laughs> so you're attracted to the. The unordinary, the yes, the, the unique ones, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so how long have you then been at Norwegian to this point, and where do you think you're at in terms of uh, oral fluency, literacy, or or are mm -hmm. you are you not worried about reading, just just focus on speaking at this point? Okay, um, as of right now, I. Uh feel really comfortable with the language. I've been learning it since May 2010, uh, so it's been over three years. I feel like right now uh, I am uh, at the B2 level when referring to the uh, European Common Framework of Language Fluency, and I think that's the uh, system that they use for European Indo-European languages. Um, but with that is intermediate, advanced. Mm -hmm. So I feel very comfortable reading Norwegian, writing it, um, speaking it. I have no issues when I was in Norway. I used it about 65 to 70% of the time. Um, I think the biggest challenge I have right now is uh, understanding it without um, uh, minor errors. Uh, I can understand pretty much most uh, most of the words that uh, are in a sentence when someone is speaking, but every now and then I make mistakes with uh, understanding a few words, specifically because Norwegian has a lot of dialects. Mm. Uh, it, it varies from county and city, but uh, I think for the most part, I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'm at about 8.5 with Norwegian. Very cool. In three years. And then this actually leads to, I think, one of the really important questions I wanted to ask you, which is uh, a lot of people out there say, you know, there's no way to learn a language unless you move to the country where it's mm -hmm. spoken. And obviously that's awesome. That would be a great advantage if you could, but yeah. not everyone can do that. Um, and you've managed to learn Norwegian, uh, not just outside of Norway, but in a part of the world, in a part of the United States, where I don't think it's exactly known for being a hotspot for Nordic languages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless, unless I don't know about the underside of Louisville or something, and there's more to it than I know. But yeah. um, So how is it that you managed to learn the language then, contrary to expectations, uh, where you happen to live? Yeah, I would say the most important thing, the thing that I wish, um, I guess I had realized earlier is that you really have to dedicate yourself to the language. It does take time, but you have to dedicate yourself to the language every day, whether or not it's uh, reading a news article online or listening to a podcast for a couple of hours. You have to do it every day. Otherwise, your progress will just kind of plateau. Um, another thing that's really important that I did um, when I started uh, learning Norwegian was immersing it in my life uh, in as many ways as possible. 
Um, for example, I changed my computer and email settings and Facebook settings uh, to Norwegian. The phone on my keyboard is in Norwegian. Um, I restricted watching uh, American television and uh, I just tried to eliminate any any way in which English was a heavy influence in my life. I stopped um, reading uh, novels and tried to read things online in Norwegian as much as possible. So I would say dedication and then finding ways to uh, immerse it in your daily life as much as possible is really critical. Um, I also practice speaking it um, sometimes to myself in my car or um, repeating exercises that I listen to um, from a book I use called Teach Yourself Norwegian. Mm-hmm saying them out loud, that's really important, um, especially when you're hearing the phrase, say it immediately after hearing it, so you'll uh, know that it's correct, and then you'll memorize it when you um, say it yourself, and then um, repeat it the next time. Um, so I would say that those things really were critical, and then just having the confidence to use it. Um, I was really nervous around, I guess, the first year um, I guess a year and a half after I had kind of became um, accustomed to it, but I was still really, really uh, shy about using it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just just said, you know, forget it. Even if I make mistakes, I'm just going to, you know, speak it. And uh, I think that being being willing to embarrass yourself or um, being willing to just make mistakes uh, is kind of something that you have to just get over if you're learning a new language. And then uh, another thing that really helped was just having friends who would correct me or friends that I could practice using the language with, whether it was through online communities or uh, people that I met in Norway. That really helped a lot. Do you spend a lot of time on Skype talking with them or? Yes. Before and then still now? Yes. Yeah, and even now, um, I'm. I would say that uh, since going to Norway, um, it's kind of. Actually, when I was in Norway, um, what's the best way to explain it? I was kind of a little surprised uh, at how how much easier it was to use the language when I was initially worried about making a mistake when I was at the airport, for example. Um, I just started using it, and then uh, the attendants, they didn't resort to English or any, um, didn't resort to English. They just immediately started using Norwegian. So I think if one does have the ability to go abroad uh, after learning the language for a certain amount of time and um, use it with native speakers, it definitely really just reinforces all of the all of the things that you learn, and it definitely removes any lingering um, uh, discomfort right. and, or embarrassment of using it. It creates that positive feedback loop that you want to keep coming yes. back for more. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's interesting because all those things that you've just mentioned, which I, I mean, I agree, agree with 100%, um, they also apply even if you're living in the country, as we all know, because yeah. it's all too easy to isolate yourself as I saw in Japan and in Taiwan in a little foreigner bubble 
you know, and you watch American sports at a local foreigner bar and you, you actually never or hardly ever speak the local language. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's quite unfortunate that that tends to be the case, but yeah, those mm -hmm. same tips apply really wherever you're living, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but the cool thing being, of course, that, yeah, you can, you can learn Norwegian in Kentucky and you can learn Japanese in Kansas and you can learn, you know, Mandarin in Iowa. Like it's, this is all very possible. Indeed. It's... Thank you, Skype. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, podcast. Thank you, YouTube. Yeah. Thank you, Lang8. <laughs> Thank you, Rhino Spike. Um, you have, I, I saw on your site, there's quite a few uh, resources that you recommend. Um, you mentioned already Teach Yourself Norwegian. Mm -hmm. um, is there like maybe a top five list you could share of, of resources or online tools that you recommend? What's made uh, the biggest for, difference for you? Yeah, for learning Norwegian. Mm -hmm. um, there is a website that's listed on uh, my blog that's called Stein by Stein, which means um, stone by stone. Um, they offer free uh, courses to people that are uh, just learning Norwegian. There's also another uh, website that's listed called Povai, which means on the way. Uh, again, they offer free online courses. Uh, I would also recommend uh, a series of YouTube videos by a Norwegian young woman. Um, her name is, I can't ever say it correctly. It's not Norwegian, but it's uh, Krianexi. Um, and she is from the, I think, eastern uh, part of Oslo, but she has developed, I would say, over hundreds of videos that um, teach people about Norwegian language. And um, she also uses dual English and Norwegian subtitles. Hmm. So you can see her actually um, speaking the language and then knowing the words that she's saying. Um, so that was really helpful for me in the beginning. Um, I would also recommend, uh, I think there's a link to an online uh, bookmull and Ninoshka dictionary that was really helpful and is still helpful for uh, a lot of the words I look up that I don't know uh, immediately. And then I think another website that really helped is called Kartala. Um, it's, it means clear voice, but it's um, an easy to read uh, online newspaper from Norway, and they also develop uh, weekly podcasts. And you can also listen to the articles online um, by selecting one of the functions uh, located at the top of the website. So uh, that's really helpful for those that yes. are new to learning Norwegian. The, the last podcast you mentioned, do they have transcripts? For the episodes or just just the audio uh there's only audio for the weekly podcast but with um the articles on the website uh, you can you can read those as you're listening to the uh, audio function when you select it awesome yeah Let's see um you mentioned the youtube channel that has uh dual english and then norwegian subtitles what's your thought on subtitles is this something that you know, in the beginning, do you prefer listening to Norwegian and reading English subtitles or watching mm -hmm. Norwegian with Norwegian subtitles or no subtitles? Or does it depend yeah. on where you're at? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. In the beginning, I would say the first six months, 
Um, I really, really needed the English subtitles. But after that, it was kind of, I don't want to see the English subtitles anymore. Mm -hmm. I just want to see the Norwegian ones uh, because I wanted to learn, know what the words were. And once, um, you know, I just started resorting to um, watching programs that had options to select um, closed captioning in Norwegian, it was right. a lot uh, easier for me to pick up on the language. So I, tr again, tried to restrict using English as much as possible and just focus on uh, Norwegian. Hmm. Do you know if there's any kind of Hulu type service that has Norwegian programming? Uh, actually, if you visit um, Norway's state broadcaster, NRK, mm -hmm. um, you can go to the website and there's a list of uh, programs that are available for people that live outside of the country. Um, it's actually, I think the link is NRK, uh, dot N-O uh, slash Utland, which is spelled U-T-L-A-N-D. And um, that you can find a link, I think, through that page or just on the website in general to programs that are available for people that live uh, outside of Norway. And again, they have the option for most of the programs to select uh, closed captioning in Norwegian. That's awesome. Yeah. And some of them also come with uh, transcripts. Nice. Mm -hmm. Man, people learning languages now are very lucky. <laughs> yeah, Norway makes it really accessible for yeah. uh, people. And, and all this for, what is it, 5 million people, native speakers? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite quite impressive. Yeah, whenever I look at stuff now or view new products for the blog, I'm always thinking, man, I, I, I started languages... 10 years too early. <laughs> Should have waited. No, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I got in when I got in, but I don't yeah. miss carrying around my, you know, 20 pound kanji dictionary in my backpack. And yeah, I actually my, have. Do you? Yeah. And my $400 electronic dictionary that now I have an app on my iPhone. That's better yeah. <laughs> for free. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, let's see. We're, coming up on time here but i wanted to hear about your uh trip in more detail um okay. i don't want to turn you into a free travel agent but um <laughs> maybe if you could just give us kind of the highlights of what you loved uh what you wanted to see and couldn't see any challenges you might have had and how you overcame them just whatever <laughs> you want to to share okay uh well this was my second time in norway i had went uh in may 2010 right after I selected Norwegian to study. So um, the first time I went, I wasn't able to use the language as much. I could only say hi and volangola. Uh, but this time it was kind of more of an adventure. Uh, I went to uh, Oslo, uh, which I had been to before, but I also went to two other cities. Uh, I went to uh, Bergen, which is on the West Coast, and then I flew to uh, Trondheim. And... Uh, I, you know, I really don't know how to just describe how amazing Norway's um, landscape is. It's just so phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's so accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, I took a train ride from Oslo to Bergen. It's called the Bergensbanen, or just the Bergen line. And uh, it starts off being really, um, I guess, 
unimpressive. You just see a lot of houses and then lots of trees, but then the altitude becomes a lot higher and then it rolls into hills and then mountains and then just unbelievable, uh, unbelievable views of the country. Mm. And I was just blown away by what I was seeing just from my passenger window. Like Lord of the Rings type stuff. I mean, is that a, yes. a good mental yeah. image? Yeah. Actually, actually, uh, one of the stops, Finza, um, it's a really mountainous uh, stop along the route. And that actually was a place where uh, Star Wars was filmed. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, again, that, that was one aspect I really just appreciated about Norway, just uh, how beautiful the, the country is. And um, I think another thing that I really enjoyed uh, was apart from using the language, just being able to speak with Norwegians. I, there's, they have this reputation for being cold and reserved, but when I used Norwegian with them, that was not the case at all. It was mm. complete opposite. Yeah. Um, and then I think just being in the country, uh, being with people I knew, and uh, it, it just reminded me of, I guess, the reasons I and always likes Scandinavian culture and just Norway, um, just a really relaxed, uh, non-occupied uh, mindset, mm -hmm. um, attention to self-care and family, um, really relaxed, really laid back. Uh, unfortunately, it's a very expensive country for tourists. That so was, I had that was what I was going to ask next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I managed to uh, stay within my budget. Um, what I did was I stayed in hostels and I stayed with friends and uh, I couch surfed with the person in Bergen uh, and that saved me money on accommodation. But another thing I also did was uh, I self-catered, which means I went to uh, grocery stores or uh, just cooked dinner myself instead of eating out. Mm -hmm. um, because for an American person, uh, getting a, I guess, a pint of beer is around eleven dollars, and just eating a regular meal costs around twenty three dollars. <laughs> I think McDonald's it's like fifteen dollars for like a happy, for like a, a Big Mac and fries and yeah. just a regular meal. Um, but thankfully, I was just able to uh, stay with people I knew and. Yeah. Uh, I also bought all the travel uh, tickets and, you know, the train ride and the flight tickets in advance. That would save you a lot of money. Uh, in, in advance from, from the States or? Yes, yeah. from, from the United States. Okay. Um, so I, that helped save a lot on travel just throughout the country. Um, and then also I walked around a lot when I was in Oslo. Uh, I tried to avoid taking the bus. It's a very walkable city. Actually, I would say both um, Bergen and Oslo are very walkable cities. Um, they do have amazing transport uh, systems, um, but it, I, I walked around a lot. And I, apart from saving money, I, I noticed that a lot of Norwegians, they either they don't really rely on cars as much as Americans. They either walk or they use their bicycles. Um, so that was something I really adopted. And I think I'll try to do more here in the United States. Um, and again, that's that's sort of lifestyle mm -hmm. um, thing I really appreciated. Um, Norwegians are also more outdoorsy in general, I think. And again, the nature is just so accessible. 
and uh, just there. That, uh, you can't help but to kind of be absorbed into it. Um, but Oslo is, you know, I, I think out of all the cities I went to, Oslo um, feels like home to me <laughs> now. Uh, I could definitely see myself living there uh, in the future. Is and that a, have... a real possibility? I mean, is that something you're you're aiming toward, or is it? Yeah, just a hope? it's yeah, it's something I I would like to. It's something I'm planning on trying to do. Um, I I don't have concrete plans, um, but I'm hoping to study there uh, in 2014 and possibly for a longer period of time in 2015, or find you know a job there. Um, but you know, nothing's set in stone. Uh, but I would just love to, you know, live there for a while and uh, kind of explore life from that side of the hemisphere. Well, we'll see you there. <laughs> You're welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah, I'm on the way to the airport, I think. <laughs> just just need to come up with a few grand. I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Climb my way out of debt first. Well, awesome, Keith. I really appreciate this. Um, I'm... Uh, I'm intrigued, and I'm definitely uh, going to move Norwegian up a few pegs on my list, I think. Okay. Oh, now, good. it was near the top. Now, I think it might be the top. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and uh, if I ever pass through your part of the country or see you in, uh, in Oslo, maybe. Yeah. I just said thank you. Uh, a lot for the interview and uh, hopefully we can speak in the future right, tell me the thank you part that i need to know one word before we uh, go dusentak yeah dusentak that Dusen means uh, okay yeah it means thank you very much all right i've started i've got one <laughs> one down good job <laughs> just a couple just ten thousand to go all right <laughs> thanks much thank you very much have a good one you too for more tips, tools, and tech about learning any foreign language, go to languagemastery.com. And if you enjoyed this show, please consider rating the podcast in iTunes. Talk to you next time.